We'll let the uh, mass exodus take place before we try to... We're going to spend this morning talking about the uh, whole thing of perfection and the fact that we don't have to be perfect. And sometimes that's the struggle that we kind of work with in life on a regular basis is our picture of who we should be and our picture of how others see us and what we hope would be true in us. And so for the next few moments, we're going to talk about this whole thing of you don't have to be perfect. Would you bow with me before we look into God's Word this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to open your Word. And I thank you so much for the promise that you give us that your Word is powerful, that it's alive, that it pierces even into our hearts. And God, I pray that we would be encouraged as we look at your Word this morning and that your spirit would be free to lift our spirits, and that we would see a picture of Jesus that would help us in the days and the weeks that we face in front of us. I pray that our mothers here this morning would be encouraged as they follow you as well. And so, bless our time as we look into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. The day and age we live in puts a lot of pressure on us, and as mothers, I'm going to speak to you, everybody else, you can join in, don't tune out, don't don't disappear on me, because this is for all of us, but for moms, I, I want to try to be an encouragement to you in the next few moments that we have together. But if you notice the little video that we just did, you know, is your mother perfect, and we... We hope that we as mothers, or you as mothers, not me, I'm not a mother, uh, that you as mothers, that the idea that you have in your mind is that you do a good job, that you help your kids grow in an appropriate way, that you provide for your kids in a really good way. And then also the little song that the kids sang for you also shows another side of that whole thing of trying to be perfect, and you realize that in the middle of that, that if you were perfect, your kids also would turn out perfect, right? And there may not be some of those events that happened uh, along the way if, if, if those kids were perfect, and they're not, and you're not. But the quest for perfection affects us all in different ways, and we strive for it, and sometimes Mothers, you can be overwhelmed by it. Oh, it may not be something that we talk about in terms of, oh, I want this perfect, or I want that perfect, or I wish this looked perfect. Or, But in our minds, we fight a battle. There's a story that's playing in your mind about what should be or what could be or how you wish it was. And often in those quiet moments, you struggle with the idea of perfect. The perfect mother, the perfect wife. Will my children turn out perfect? Is my home perfect? Are the things that I do at work perfect? Do my friends see me in a light that shows how good or how perfect, maybe it's not perfect, but how good I am? 
Are my responses to others perfect? Do I care in a perfect way for those around me? And sometimes the more I'm quiet and the more I think about those things, those weights get heavier and heavier and heavier, and I struggle with it. Can I start by saying something to you that that's normal? Like, hold on, hold on. I thought I was the only one who struggled with that. Can I take you on a little journey at the very beginning of this, way back to the beginning, to Genesis? And if we go all the way back to Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he created them in, do you know what the word is? Perfection. He created them in the image and the likeness of God, completely perfect. Perfect human beings. Perfect thought processes. Everything that they did in their interaction with one another was perfect. Every thought process that they had about each other was perfect. The place that they lived was in perfection. And then, Satan showed up on the scene, and he told Eve a lie, and she bought it. She bit. And the lie was this. The lie was, what you have, where you are, how all of this looks, is not perfect. There's something more, and you're missing out. The creator, the one who made you, didn't give you everything that you think you have. There's something lacking. And she bit. She bought it. And she in herself decided that I will figure out what that is and I will provide whatever that is that's missing. And God somehow left me short. And the relationship between the created Adam and Eve and the creator, God himself, was severed. It was broken. And the moment that that took place, the desire to be perfect clicked in. And the thing that was lost, I wanted back. And Eve, in the Garden of Eden, all of a sudden says, what I had with God was perfect. Perfect. It was complete. It was wonderful. My relationship with my creator was exactly the way it was supposed to be. This was incredible. And the moment that she stepped up and decided, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do this my own way. That relationship was severed. It was broken. And all of a sudden, she wanted what she had. You and I were created in the perfect image of God, in the likeness of God. And because of our sin, we are separated from that perfection in God. And it is our desire and our heart's response to want that back. And so we will strive, we will work, we will will put all kinds of effort in, we will look for things, we will go down different paths, trying to find a way to make everything perfect. So gals, you can blame Eve if you want, but your strive for perfection is ingrained in you. 
It's how God hardwired you. And not just you, but guys, us as well. We are hardwired by God in the image of God to strive for that, to renew that, to make it what it ought to be. Because the very person of God is perfect. And he created us in his exact likeness. And so it's in us to strive for that. It's in us to want that. You can blame Eve for the struggle that you face each day. How you strive to be enough. How you feel like you're missing out because you can't quite be perfect. How it looks like that your friends are, are more perfect than you are. How it looks like, and by the way, our crazy phones with their little cameras on them have ruined it even more because now you can take a snapshot in the middle of chaos, the worst day of your life. You can get everybody to stop and go, click, see, our life is perfect. It's so awesome. And you send it off to everybody, and the whole time you've been at each other's throats. But the picture you send is, woohoo. And so you look at that, and I look at that, and I go, man, everybody else's life is so great. It's so awesome. I want it. And we search for that perfection. We search for that, and we strive for that. And left on our own, left to our own devices, left in our own little quiet mind and in those little rooms of our heart, We'll ruin ourselves. Because we'll work so hard to become something that we can't fix on our own. So left on our own, we'll spend our life doing one of two things. We'll try to prove that we are perfect. And we will spend our time and energy standing before others and standing before the mirror of our own life, trying to prove to ourselves that we are perfect. And we will strive and work and fail and get up and wonder why in the world I can't do this the way everybody else does. And eventually we'll end up hiding because we're trying to prove something in ourselves that just doesn't work. Or... Number two, we'll just give up. We'll just say, I can't do it anyway. Why even bother? Look, I'm not perfect. Hey, if that's what you want, you're not going to get it. So get over it. I'm just going to live life for me. Just do my own thing. And everybody else can deal with whatever happens because I can't do it. Two great ways to look at life. Happy Mother's Day. We're done. No, not really. (laughs) Both of these guys are defeated lives, right? That's where they end up. If you try to become something, you try to be perfect, you try to make it all happen, and you work really hard at it, you put all the energy in, and you fail, and you you look at that, and you start to look at your life, and you end up defeated. Or if you just throw your hands up in the air and you say, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I can't make this, so so just whatever, I'm just going to do whatever you end up defeated. 
Thankfully, God has a third way. Yeah. God has a third way of looking at this. And in the next few minutes, I want to introduce you to some scriptures, and I want to encourage you. I, I don't want to take you down a path where you look at yourself and say, man, I just don't measure up. I want to encourage you in the fact that God has a way of looking at your life that actually lightens your load. Moms, you don't have to be perfect. Moms, you, you don't have to have it all together. There's someone who cares so deeply about you that wants to help you and be an encouragement to you and walk life with you and lead you and strengthen you on a daily basis. And he looks at you and he sees who he created in your completeness, the way he wants you. And he's there for you all the time. And I want to introduce you to that thought this morning. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 3? And I want to read a couple of verses to you out of Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And these may seem like kind of strange verses for Mother's Day, but if you'll just come along with me on this little journey, you'll understand. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. This is Paul talking. It's one of those little books. Remember, we're going through our study of 1 Thessalonians, and this is one of those little letters that he wrote back to a group of people who had come to know Jesus. And, and uh, he writes back and, and, and to be an encouragement to this, this group, this little group of people in this, small, in this church. But everything that was given to me, I have considered to be loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Paul writes this little section here, and I want you to catch what he says. Paul says this, I can't pull it all together. That's what these verses are about. I can't do this on my own. I'm not good enough to pull it all together. I'm not good enough to make everything work out the way it's supposed to. And so because I understand that about myself, gals, moms, because I understand I can't be perfect, I won't be perfect, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work at it, no matter what I gain, no matter matter what position I end up filling, I know I can't do it. I know I can't pull it all together. And Paul goes, look, I understand that. I know all the stuff that I worked really hard for. I strove so hard. I have worked. I've put the effort in. I've put the time in. I've done all the right things. I'm trying to say all the right things. I know that in and of myself, I can't do it. And so what do I do? I look at all. I pile it all up in the middle of the floor. This is what he's saying. And it's all loss. I give it all away. It's all gone. 
Paul says, all that stuff that I'm working so hard to complete, all that stuff I'm working so hard to make people see me in a certain light, I just, I take it all and I pile it all on the floor. And I realize that it's all junk. And he goes even farther than that. He doesn't just say junk. He says, it's waste. The value of it, there isn't any. This isn't like what you do at home when you do a cleanup. You know what I mean. You, you, you go, I'm going to clean the basement, or I'm going to clean the attic out, or I've got the catch-all room, and I'm going to clean that room out. And you start pulling things out, and as you see them, you go, oh, but this could be valuable. And so you put it aside. And then you grab the next thing, you go, oh, but, but oh, that was from, so, well, that. and then you take the next thing, you go, oh, but I like this sweater. It doesn't fit anymore, but it's a cool sweater. And you, And when you finish cleaning up, the pile that you're putting back is bigger. I don't know how that happens, but it's bigger than what you started with. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying this. It's actually pulling all that stuff internally, all that stuff that I see, all that stuff that I've gathered up internally, and it's looking at it and it's saying, no, it's really waste. I'm getting rid of it. No, it's not a save later. It's not I'll do something with it later pile. It's actually waste, and I count it as waste, and I'm throwing it out. Now, it, here's, here's a problem with that, though. If, if all we do is we walk in and we just throw it all out, we just chuck it all. There's a principle in life, and it's called the replacement principle. And if we fail to understand the replacement principle in life, we're going to run into problems. And the replacement principle says this, that if I throw that stuff out, I better replace it with something of more value. Because if I don't, I will find more junk to clutter my life. And often this is what happens to us in our life. We look at an area of our life that we're struggling. We say, we're going to pull all that junk out. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then we step back. And the moment we step back, we fill it with something that causes just as much pain in our life, just as much hurt, just as much heartache. And Paul gives you the recipe for that. And he says this, when I pull all that stuff out and I count it as waste, I fill it with the person of Christ, the perfection of Christ. Our culture doesn't understand that, folks. Our culture says more. Give me more. Give me more. I'll work harder. I'll look better. I'll go farther. I'll do more than anybody else. Give me more. Give me more. And Paul says, until we come to the place where we look at our life and we're willing to empty it, we're willing to take all of that stuff that we've filled our life with and we're going to say, no, it's worthless, it's junk. And I'm going to put it where it belongs. And I'm going to take Christ. Paul says it this way. It's when I come to the place that I see Christ crucified. What that means is this, that I understand the power of what Christ did for me. See, my perfection was broken in my sin. And the only way that that perfection could be made right was through the sacrificial work of someone who is perfect and holy, Jesus Christ. 
And he saw the brokenness of my perfection, and he said, I want that relationship to be restored and to be made new. And I see the junk, and I see all the stuff that fills your life, and I want to fix it for you. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he paid the price for my sin. And he says, now throw away the junk and get the real thing, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Gals, moms, stop trying. You don't have to be perfect. Christ is. He's already perfect. You don't have to work it all out. Christ has already done it. Take all that stuff that you've been trying, you've been working so hard, and just get rid of it. Don't put it in the save pile. Get rid of it. And come to Christ and say, here, here. (laughs) You fill it back up. You make it what it's supposed to be. And it will change your view. It will change your outlook on life. Everything that I have needs to be wrapped up in who Jesus Christ is. Paul struggled with this. He struggled with his weakness. He tried so hard. And at one point he prayed, God, take this from me. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, my For my power is perfected in your weakness. Folks, when we come to the realization that we can't do it, but the perfection of Jesus Christ can, it changes us. It changes our whole life. It changes our whole outlook on life. How can I be sure that if I come to Christ, because this is what goes through my mind. Yeah, Tim, that's great. You said it. Come to Christ. It'll all work out. Okay, I get it. But how can I be sure that if I come to Christ, I'll find meaning and rest? How can I be sure that that's what he'll do for me? Let me give you a couple verses out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Let me read them for you. It says this. Come to me. This is Jesus. All you who are weary and burdened. You tired, moms? You feel the weight? And I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. I'm going to explain that. Just give me a minute. And learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble of heart. He says that my heart breaks for you. That's what Jesus is saying. My heart, it aches for you. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me back up and help you to understand this passage a little bit. First thing you need to know, there's an invitation here from Jesus. And he just says this, come. I love this because he doesn't say, he doesn't say clean up your act. He just says, come here, come. Open arms, come here, come. Just share, come. It's the first invitation that Jesus gives to all of us. He says this, just look, I'm here. Come here. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not telling you to do anything different. Just come here. Come on. I love you. That come, that invitation is an invitation to peace with God. No longer running. No longer striving to figure it out in yourself. Just come here. Come. The second thing that he says in this passage is this. He says, come. And then he says, take. The invitation here is deeper. 
It's for a deeper relationship. The first was peace with God. The second is the peace of God. Take me. Take and know me. Rest in obedience of knowing me. Take part of me. Understand who I am and how much I care for you. Take. And he goes this. He says, take my yoke. Now, that's a farming principle. And most of us today don't grow up in a farming society. And so when we see that, we're like, eh, what in the world does that mean? Well, a yoke simply is this. It was the apparatus. It was the tool that was used to join two animals that were working together. And so Jesus says this, look, take my yoke. In other words, what he's saying is this, come here and join yourself with me. He doesn't just say, come and I'll lift you out of this and then you're on your own. That's not what he says to us. He says, look, I'm the perfecter. I'm the perfect one. And when you come to me, I'm not going to show you something and hope you do it right. He says, come and let's be joined together. Let's do this together. Come and take my yoke. He keeps going with that, and he says this, the yoke is easy. And again, this is a farming understanding. In our culture, we don't get this, but a, farm, a farmer would shape his yoke to the oxen that he had so it fit. You wouldn't take a yoke that was too big to put on the oxen because then it would chafe and it would, they wouldn't be able to pull well together. And what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, look, the yoke that I have for us to be joined, I know you really well. I created you. I understand everything about you. I know the inside of you. I know what makes you tick. Remember, you're made in the image of God and in his likeness. And every one of us is unique. And he's the creator of us. And he looks at us and he says, I know you so well. I'll shape the yoke to fit you. It'll be a perfect fit. That's how much I care for you. I'm not telling you, look, come and conform to this. And if if you conform to this, then it'll all be okay. No, 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 no. Come and I'll I'll make a yoke that's that's for us. Because I'm with you in this. It's easy. The yoke is easy. It fits you. When you wear the yoke from God, it leads to the next phrase in this verse, and it says this, your soul will be at rest. You and I were created in that perfection in the garden. We were created to be at rest with God. And every time that we strive to figure it out on our own, we are not at rest. We fight. We claw. We mess our relationships up. We do more stuff. We put more things in. We, we, we add it on because we're going to make it right. And God says, look, hold it, hold it. Just, just come. Just come to me. Be yoked with, just join me. I'll make this work. I'll put it together because I understand you and I know how you work and I know I created you. This will fit perfect. Come and be with me. And when you're with me, guess what I'll offer you? I'll offer you rest. Mom, some of you have been spending years looking for rest. You're exhausted. You're tired. 
And it's not that you haven't been trying hard. It's, it's not that you haven't worked hard at it. You have. You've just been working in the wrong spot. Guys, the same as for you. Some of you are working really hard. You're adding on. You're adding on. You're doing more and more. And, and you're trying, but you're exhausted. And the reason is because you're working in the wrong spot. Jesus says, come to me. You want rest? You want rest for your soul? I created that soul, and I know that soul. I know it really, really well. And I can provide rest for that that you'll never get anywhere else. Only from me. Rest. You want that rest? I do. I do. The only way your soul can be re be at rest is when it's reunited with his creator. And he says, come. Moms, can I encourage you today? Don't get up caught up in the trap of doing more and doing it better and doing it longer than anyone else. Don't get caught up in the trap of what everybody else thinks about you or your kids or whatever it is. Turn to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Rest in Him. Everything you've been looking for is there. Everything. Lean on Jesus and His love. Allow Him to bring you the rest and peace that you need and you long for. All the rest of the stuff that you've worried about, can I give you a hint? It'll all work out. When you go to him first, he takes all the other stuff and he puts it the way it should be. And he says, I've got you. Remember, we're yoked. <laughs> and I've got all this. And we'll do it together. Would you just stand with me? I want to pray for you as, as moms as we close this morning. I want to say thank you. Thanks for all that you guys do every day. Thanks for all that you put in to your kids and your families. Thank you for the desire that you have to lead them in a way that points them to God. Thank you for that. But can I encourage you? Lean on Jesus. Lean on Christ. Allow him to take that load for you. Let me pray for you. Father, thanks for this group of folks. Thanks for their desire to serve you. Thanks for the moms that are represented in this room. And God, I love what we've just been talking about. I love the fact that you, as our creator, who created us in perfection, knows the longing of our hearts and offers a way for us to be at rest. And that way is through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that offering. Thank you the fact that in the middle of this crazy world that we live in, we can have rest, and we can have peace. Thank you for taking us where we are and helping us as we walk through this life. Bless these mothers, encourage them, Help them to trust you 
Help them to lean on you. Help them to put you first in their lives. Bless this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Have a great week, folks.